Welcome back to another episode of Good Monsters. My name is Cody Lawrence. I'm your host. And today we're going to be talking about when we get the Bible wrong. I was thinking about interpreting the Bible and kind of how we um, how we go about discerning the proper meaning of it because there are so many people right now who claim to be using the Bible, like swaths of people calling themselves Christians, using the Bible and concluding totally opposite things from other people who are claiming to use the Bible. And so I think this is something worth talking about and something worth thinking about, about how um, if, if so many people are reading the Bible and they think that they have the right meaning, which who, who's right? How do we determine who's correct? And so I think first I wanted to discuss a few presuppositions that we need to get out of the way um, to, to understand kind of lay the foundation of uh, reading and interpreting and understanding the Bible. And, and here they are. One, the Bible is the word of God, and therefore it is true. So this is one presupposition that as Christians we need to have when we're approaching reading the Bible. It is the word of God, and it is therefore true if we understand it correctly. Well, not even if the Bible is true, and then kind of as a consequence, we should attempt to understand it correctly. So that's the one that's the first presupposition. Another one is is the 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 fact that it is possible to understand it correctly because some people disagree with this. Some people believe that the Bible uh, has, you know, can mean different things to different people. But those those of us who recognize that the Bible has a meaning, that each and every individual passage had some kind of meaning that the author and the Holy Spirit intended whenever they wrote that on that page, that that, that passage has a specific meaning and it cannot change. Now, it might be able to apply to multiple things, but the meaning is not different for different people. I can't say, oh, I well, I think this means this, and that's equally valid if you think it means the opposite. That's not how it works. It is possible to understand the Bible correctly because there is a correct way to understand the Bible. If it is impossible to understand the Bible correctly, and this includes if multiple um, conflicting interpretations are valid, if the Bible is best understood subjectively rather than objectively, there's no reason to read it. If it's impossible to properly understand the objective meaning of scripture, there's no reason to read it. Because if it can mean different things to everybody, why why are we even trying to understand it at all? <laughs> there, there's no, no meaning is more valid than any other meaning. And so that makes each view equally meaningless. It means that what's important is not the context of the book, but it is the context of whatever you're making up. And this is not how we treat any other book, uh, hopefully, unless you're 
yeah, super, super, super progressive. Uh, it, it's not how any rational human being treats any other book. If, um, if, if anything is unclear in any book on your bookshelf, you try to put it in context with the rest of the book, or you try to figure out more stuff about the author who wrote it and try to determine what they must have meant by this passage. That's how we do things. And we should do exactly the same with the Bible. So those are the kind of the baseline presuppositions. One, the Bible is the word of God and therefore true. And two, it is possible to understand that truth. Those are the the two presuppositions that I think we need to have as Christians when we're studying the Bible. So kind of the what follows from that is therefore we should strive to understand the Bible correctly because it is true. That's the conclusion. Uh, and, and we'll talk about how to do that. Uh, but I, I wanted to kind of tackle a couple other ideas first. What if we understand the Bible differently than someone else? And we do. And I've already mentioned this. Many people will take a totally opposite interpretation of Scripture. And we know that that can't be legitimate. One person is right, or the other person is right, or they're both wrong. Uh, They cannot both be right. So how do we treat understanding the Bible differently than somebody else? How do we treat that? Uh, So because only one of us can be correct, if you disagree with somebody about the interpretation of the Bible, because only one of you can be correct or both of you are wrong, uh, we can... Because truth exists, in other words, in other words, it, because there is a proper way to understand it, um, w- there might be a temptation to fall into a couple of uh, opposite traps. And here they are. One response, which is what the more progressive side often takes, is that we fall into some kind of subjectivism where we maybe value each person's view equally, except often those kinds of people will not value each person's view equally, because if you believe that they're wrong, they will not value your opinion. And so that that perspective is not only self-defeating, but it points towards the problem that we already talked about earlier, where it affirms that the Bible doesn't really mean anything at all. If we differ from somebody else about the meaning of the Bible, and we say, well, that that's okay that you believe that, And it's okay that I believe that. We are admitting by doing that, that the Bible has no objective meaning, which is a problem. So if, if you're having a discussion with a fellow believer and, um, and, and most of uh, the listeners to my podcast, I assume are more, uh, theologically conservative, let's say, I, I'm sure I've even said this in the past as well uh, when I was younger, but I was like, well, here's how I understand the Bible. And uh, that's okay if you disagree. I'm sure I have said those exact words. You should never say those words. Well, it's, I mean, let me revise. It's okay if they disagree, <laughs> but both of those things cannot be true at once. You cannot, you cannot disagree and that disagreeing be true while what you said is true at the same time. Hope that makes sense. Um, the second kind of temptation that we could fall into is that we could fall into some kind of strict dogmatism where we believe that only our view is correct and nothing to the contrary will ever make us change our mind. So 
no matter what evidence is presented with us, if we associate our view with the ultimate objective 100% truth of scripture, then we will fall into the trap of if anybody ever disagrees with me, then they are actually disagreeing with the word of God. And that is very, very dangerous too. But you you might think, well, what are the other options? If, if I believe that that's if I believe that the Bible's true, then that's how I ought to act, isn't it? Well, no, I think there is a I think there is a sort of middle ground. Uh, it's closer to the second option than the first, though. It's definitely not subjective. If we uh, understand that the Bible has an objective meaning, we will act like it. But I think there is a way to act like it where we value the truth over our opinion. And so I think that's the thing we have to be aware of. Both of these temptations, by the way, they create idols. The first one creates an idol out of, well, really, they both create the same kind of idol, honestly, because one create the first one, the, the subjective one, creates an idol out of me and my opinion, because my opinion is um, more important than the objective meaning of the word of God. Your opinion is, is, uh, is, more valuable than the objective meaning of the word of God. So we create idols. And then the second temptation does honestly exactly the same thing where you make an idol out of your own opinion. Rather than trusting in the truth of the word of God, you create an idol of your interpretation of the word of God. When what the the thing we need to be valuing the most is not our opinion, but it's the word of God. So we are the solution to this is that we are to value truth. And in valuing truth, we must be willing to change our mind if we are presented with good enough evidence. That doesn't make us wrong, but it makes us human. It makes us infallible. It it makes us understand that we have the ability to be wrong. To always default to your own interpretation, regardless of the evidence, is not valuing truth. You're valuing your own opinions, like I said. So how do we walk the line? It seems tough. Either we, uh, how, how do we walk this line? Um, I think there are some things that, that us Christians need to be able to do. And one is to have an educated opinion. If there is a perspective that we disagree with somebody else on, we should have an educated opinion on that. Because if we value the Bible as the word of God, and if it's true, and we have some kind of opinion on it, and we want to be able to default not to our opinion, but to the Bible, we need to understand by having an educated opinion about what the Bible means, that thing that we are discussing or that thing that we're thinking about. The second thing is to be confident in that interpretation. Now, now I'm not saying here value your opinion over the truth of God's word. I hope I'm clearly making this distinction. There is a difference between the truth and your opinion of the truth. Our goal is to make those the same, but we will make mistakes. We will sometimes not totally align completely and overlap our view with the truth. We will make errors, but if we are being faithful, we ought to try to walk on that path 
And we ought to try to walk in such a way to where we are not stepping off of that path at all. And if we think we're on that path, the faithful response is to be confident, to confidently walk, to trust, to have faith that we are walking faithfully. While also the other thing being true of of having an educated opinion and being willing to change your mind with evidence, because that's what valuing truth means. Also, treat what you understand to be truth as the truth itself if if my understanding and and this might be obvious this might go without saying but if you understand the bible to say a certain thing you need to act like it's true you 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 shouldn't say if you believe that that when paul clearly says women shouldn't preach or exercise authority over men in the church you shouldn't say well that's i i i believe that or if you believe that the bible says um now, and look, I'm, I, here's an example that I don't know if I lean towards completely myself, but I, I'm becoming more sympathetic to it. Um, it. When the Bible says that God created the world in six days, if you say, well, you know, I think that, that God created the world in six days, but he might not have. That's not treating the Bible like it's true. If you have a good reason for believing that the Bible created the or that God created the world in 6 days according to the Bible, be confident in that act like that's true because you're not acting like it's true. But also be willing because you value truth to hear evidence to the contrary and be able to change your mind if something else is true. Um th- that might blow some people's minds. <laughs> if you believe that the creation account in Genesis uh is is a more um has a more loose definition of days than just 24-hour periods, then have evidence for that and be confident in it and then be willing to change your mind if somebody presents you with better evidence. You could be wrong. And the person that uh, that believes that God created the world in six 24-hour periods could be wrong. I don't know. <laughs> but only one of them can be right or they're both wrong. And all of us should try strive to know what the truth is. And so if, if you're thinking about these things and you have a, a biblical reason to believe a certain thing, no matter what it is, if it has to do with politics or social issues or science or or, or like you know, whatever, be confident in it and treat the thing you believe as if it is true and know that you, you might make a mistake. You might be wrong, but to not treat what you think the Bible says as truth is to be unfaithful to Scripture because you're not actually treating it like the Word of God. Uh, how do we be more accurate? So that's that's kind of the next step that this leads into. We will make mistakes, but how do we make fewer mistakes? How do we overlap our opinions with the proper understanding more often? Because it's not just, you know, roll the dice, I believe this, and I'm going to act like it's true. Uh, it's not like that at all. So how do we, how do we be more accurate when, uh, in trying to understand Scripture? The way that we do that is that we immerse ourselves in Scripture. The more that we understand the entirety of Scripture, the better that we can fit the things that, that are contested 
into that overarching narrative of scripture. And so like, yeah, I mean, you know, you can take verses out of context and, and if you believe the Bible says a certain thing and, and you confidently believe that, then, then that's okay unless you're wrong. Um, but it, once you are able to put that into context with the story and, and the more you read the Bible, the more you can fit all of these things together, um, the more likely you are to be correct in these views. I hope that makes sense. So, so in other words, the more you read the Bible, the more you will be correct about the Bible. If you are sincerely trying to understand it, if you're doing it prayerfully, if you um, are regenerate, if you uh, have repented and truly believed in Jesus and are trying to pursue this relationship with God the Father, you will naturally, just like training a muscle, or practicing uh, a skill or sharpening a tool, that tool will be better for you the more you learn how to use it. And I think the, the second way that we can be more accurate is to be unafraid to have opinions that could be wrong. If you believe, and this ties in with some things I've said previously, if you believe that the Bible says something even if other people disagree, uh, if you have good, solid reasons for it, be unafraid to believe that thing. Because nowadays, our culture believes some very unbiblical things. Even churches and pastors push totally unbiblical perspectives. And if, if you're reading the Bible and you're like, ah, hmm, this seems kind of crazy, but I think that you know, fill in the blank. Uh, you should be unafraid to have that opinion because the Bible takes precedence over uh, God's word takes precedence over what the pastor says, over what the church is trying to push. So what does this look like practically when we are interacting with other people who may disagree with, with us about our interpretation of the Bible? So one, I think... Um, what I said before about willing to be able to share and receive evidence and being willing to change your mind applies. But I also think that it's okay to call out untruth. Some people might think that if, you know, if, if I could be wrong, I have no right to call out other people who could be wrong. But again, that isn't treating the Bible like the word of God. You could be wrong. But you believe that you're not wrong. And if you believe you're not wrong, you should act like it. And so if you believe somebody else is doing something untrue, call it out uh, biblically, in a biblical way. Because here's, I think, what's happening in our culture. People are so unafraid of calling out untruth. We, uh, in a way, I think calling out untruth is a kind of, um, it's a kind of, check and balance you know it's it's a way for each other to to help us have good theology if a person calls out untruth uh, it means that they value truth itself you know at least the person values truth if they call out untruth or false teaching or, or whatever else and they're wrong at the very least they value truth hopefully and if they truly value truth if you truly value truth if you are calling out untruth then 
you should be pursuing um, the truth and eventually, hopefully, you will come to change your mind if you're wrong or you will become even more confident in your opinion that you're calling out truth for. But if lies are happening or if false teaching is happening and it is not called out, I think the consequence is worse than if you mistakenly call out something that's untrue. Like, you know, Instagram is filled with Arminians shouting down Calvinists and Calvinists shouting down Arminians for false teaching or whatever. I don't think that's good. (laughs) But, um, you know, at least these people value truth and they value scripture. And that's a good thing. Something to think about. Uh, Something that I think needs to be said is, and this doesn't only apply to scripture, but it applies to just life. If you believe that you have something that's true, what's the easiest way to get somebody else to believe what is also true? You force them. You regulate it. You go through the government. You, If you're a, a father in your family, you make your family believe it. If you're the pastor of a church, you force it on your congregation. But that's bad. If we force our beliefs on other people, listen to the last episode, Conscience and Freedom, about binding conscience. This totally applies. If we, who may have errors, force our beliefs uh, or um, or try to convince people that, that Christianity is something that the Bible doesn't explicitly state that it is, like Christians ought to wear a mask. That is the the thing to do. Loving your neighbor means you have to get a vaccine. Uh, That's not in the Bible, friends. And so we can't just say those things. (laughs) That is untruth. Now you can say, I think it's a good thing to do this. And here are reasons from the Bible why you should do this. But what you can't say is things like Christians have to do this if it's not explicitly stated in the Bible. That's called binding somebody's conscience, and that's bad, because then you are not only guilty for your own error, but you are guilty of the errors of the people that you are forcing to act or believe in a certain way. This is why James says, uh, not all of you should become teachers, because those of you that do will be judged more strictly. I think that's why, because if we pass along false teaching to other people, we are going to be judged more strictly, which, by the way, is another really good check for good, faithful Christians who make errors in certain areas who are teaching things. Like me, I don't get everything 100% right. And you who are listening to this, you should know that. You should test everything I say against Scripture. Do not take my word for it unless it is consistent with what the Bible says. I'm telling you that. Uh, I I am not speaking for God. God is speaking for God. And so whatever I say, whatever ideas that I, you know, pull together from the Bible, uh, the Bible needs to take precedence over my own ideas. And so you need to know that um, you are responsible for your own actions, but also I am responsible for what I teach. And so if I somehow convince somebody to do something wrong, I am guilty of that, and that is a really, really good check for those of us who are faithful Christians who are actually afraid of the judgment of God and and sinning. That's a really good check on us so that we make sure that we teach faithfully. If we 
are, are forcing our views on people, we could be perceived as theological tyrants. But here's an interesting thing to think about. If there is a person who is theologically spineless, or if there is a subjectivist who says that everybody's opinion is valid, uh, and you say, no, 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 it's not. Your opinion doesn't matter. Only the truth is valid. You will seem to them, the theologically spineless, like a theological tyrant. But that doesn't make you a theological tyrant. It just makes you seem that way. So, if you are being faithful, know that you will be seen as a tyrant to the spineless. But at the same time, if there are actually theological tyrants out there that says their opinion is right and everything else is heresy, you will be seen as a heretic to them at the same time. So you will be seen both if you are doing things correct. You will be seen both as a heretic and as a tyrant at the same time by saying the word of God is true and I can make errors. Uh, I believe this is true. To the spineless, you will seem like a tyrant and to the tyrants, you will seem like maybe you're one of the spineless ones or a heretic. Might be a good gauge to see if you're in a good spot. If uh, if people are only calling you a theological tyrant, um, might be something to think about. If you are being called theologically spineless, also something to think about. Wanting, and, and I'll kind of wrap up with this, wanting the world to come to know Jesus requires allowing people the freedom to not come to know Jesus because it's a choice and it's, you you know, God will work in their heart and God will bring them to him. And and you just have uh, the the truth that you were teaching and the evidence that you have. Uh, You need to always be ready to give a defense for the hope that's in you, all of that stuff. Um, And so you should always be ready. You should have good evidence for what you believe, but also leave it to God also to uh, work in people's hearts because your opinions aren't God. The Lord is God, and so we ought to act like it. We ought to be strong and courageous in areas where we should be strong and courageous, and we should be meek in areas where we should be meek. And both of those things should happen at the same time. A person should not be 100% all the time a blowhard, and one and a person should not 100% all the time be um, spineless, or actually 0% of the time they should be spineless. Uh, let's use the word meek, since Jesus used the word meek. <laughs> so, uh, if the Bible's the word of God, then we need to act like it. That kind of sums it all up. So think about that, and I will catch you in the next episode. God bless. Mm-hmm.